theyeshiva.net. So on Peter Bays and Peter Gimel, Peter Bays explored at length the concept of Igulim and Yosher. which are two processes that exist throughout all of the universes and all of reality and all of the worlds. Also known as Nefesh and Ruach. And uh, in an extremely concise fashion, it would be summarized as Igulim, which means circles, and Yosha, which means uh, straight, Yashar, linear, like linear lines. The Gulam represents all of the energy the way it is still in a state of uh, concealment. Like a circle where there's no beginning and there's no middle and there's no end, there's no divisibility, there's no uh, hierarchy, there's no details, there's no nuances, there's no division. Yashar is the way the is the energy come out and are contained in a divisible and clear and articulated fashion with pratim and pratipratis, with a long metaphor of a teacher and a student and how they communicate. And this exists literally in all of the worlds. Igulim, he says, is the source of concealment. Yosher is the source of revelation. And as a result of Igulim, ultimately, there are concealments in every stage of reality until in this world where the world appears completely as something separate and detached from its source. In Peter Gimel, he begins to discuss the human being's work in this world every day to be able to realign the world with its true source and realize that the fact that there is separateness is only because there is a concealment. But the truth is, as he puts it, is Einoid Mulvadi, there's nothing outside of him. And therefore, through a person's own consciousness and avoida, he removes the symptom, he removes the concealment, and he allows the truth to be revealed and to emerge. And as a result of that, the Sarusadalasata, the arousal from below, triggers a response in all of the worlds that the vessels should not limit and conceal the lights. And on the contrary, the earth should be revealed the way it is. There should not be any concealments and symptoms and restrictions. He says that's going to be going to be la'asid lava. It's going to be revealed when Mashiach comes. V'nigla k'vayd Hashem. V'roh chalbasa yachtov k'fi Hashem diber. That godliness will be revealed. And he says the way it was before the chetet sadas. Before the chetet sadas, Adam was in a guf. Nonetheless, in Gan Eden, he was in Ganeidin, but Ganeidin was on earth. And in Ganeidin, he grasped the secrets of Torah because basically the whole world and all of the universes were far more refined than they are now. Eirein Sof was more revealed in them. And therefore, even in a guf, Adam could grasp things that today it's impossible to grasp in a body. Because by the nature of the tzimtzum, the concealment that the body experiences, it's not transparent. And therefore... There's limitations to what a person can ever grasp, and the neshama has to leave the body in order to be able to grasp these things. Yeah. And that's a very brief, uh, I know not a very elaborate summation, but just brief, because I want to continue here. 
So let's continue inside Lamed Ches, the first column. Fourteen lines from the top. Meshakasa b'pri Yitzchayim. Lamed Ches Amad Aleph, page seventy-five. Fourteen lines from the top. Lamed Ches, column one. Meshakasa, make sure it says Shlach on the top. Meshakasa b'pri Yitzchayim Shara Shabbos. Pri Yitzchayim that Rizal brings in Shabbos this portal of Shabbos the Masha Keis Nikra. Pchinas Zeiram Pindatzilus Hayaz Madregezub Pchinas Olam Abriya. What is now called Atzilus was then called Bria. Now the Bria today is uniquely remote and very powerfully distant from Atzilus. So this explains to you the paradigm shift. That what is today Atzilus was then Bria. That means that everything was different because today Olam Abriya is very remote from Olam Atzil. It's a completely different consciousness. So what we're saying is that the world was so refined then that what we call today Atzilus was then only in a state of Bria. That means then Atzilus was even much deeper, much higher. What is today Atzilus was then the paradigm of Bria. That's what he says. The world of Atzillus is essentially divine. Atzillus represents his own faculties, his own koiches. The infinite light dwells there with ultimate revelation. The world of Bria represents creation, something from nothing. Bria already represents things that are created, that are separate. They are created as new things from nothing to something. They're finite. As it's known. So therefore, the distance between Atsilis and Bria is essentially an infinite distance. The world of Atsilis is called the world of Atsilis, not Bria. The difference between Bria and Atsilis is extreme. Bria means creation. Atsilis means, like we learned, in I will emanate from you. It's basically bringing out what was there before. It's not a new creation. Oilam is already a new creation, Yeshmei. Oilam is just Elokos godliness coming out in particular koiches. It's still a descent, Legabe, ain't soif itself, but it's still a koyach mikoychoisav. It's his koiches. Like the ray of the sun. It's an expression of the sun. It's not a new creation. Oilam is called Bria. It's a nivra. It's a created being. Atzillus is exposing, revealing, actualizing the Ein Soif in a particular fashion. So you can't compare the two. They're both called Olam, but you can't compare the two. There, in Atzillus, it's called concealment only because the Ein Soif is channeled in a particular vessel, a particular Koyach. Bria, it's a whole new Metzius. It's called the Yesh Ayan. It's not the Divine, it's the Creation. It comes from the Divine, but it's essentially the Creation. And we're saying is that what was today, what is today Atzillus, was then Bria. That was the paradigm. By Adam before the Chet. The Chet of Adam Arishin caused the Olamus to become Megushim, to become more material, brute. That the Ein Saif, the oil of the Ein Saif, shines in them only through concealment. That in this, the point that in this world, Eirin Saf is completely eclipsed. So just like before the Chet, even in a Guf, Adam was in a different state. 
He could be in Ganeidin in a body. Today he can't be in Ganeidin in a body. It's part of the Sastra. It's a contradiction. Because the definition of a body is that there's certain things that are essentially eclipsed and one cannot have a vision the way the soul has it without the body. The moment before the soul comes into the body and the moment the soul leaves the body, it sees everything in a different light. Completely in a different light. All the limitations of vision and awareness and perception that are imposed on the soul as a result of the physical body cease to exist. Suddenly a person could see things, there's nothing blocking. There's literally nothing blocking. It's that uh, saddle... Huh? What? The full spectrum of light, yeah. Everything emerges. That's outside of the guf. In the guf, in Olam Asiya, there's a tzimtzum, there's a helm. So the little vision you get is eclipsed. That's all in this world. The When a person down here below in this situation does what's called the he subdues unholiness, the the person pounds on the tzimtzum. The person removes the tzimtzum. The person removes the concealment. That there should be a little giliyalakus, a revelation of godliness in the human soul. It has a ripple effect that in all of the universes, the kalim should not block the earth. Everywhere there should be a greater giliyalakus. And where does it happen? It happens down here, where you have the greatest Hester, the greatest concealment, and the person is challenged to fight the Hester, this is the meaning of the Pasuk, the Pasuk tells us in Vayikra, you should sanctify yourself, you should become holy, why? Because I'm holy. I, God, I'm holy. What's the reason? Because he's holy, therefore I have to be holy. You tell somebody, you have to do this because I do this. You do it. Gesundheit, hate, enjoy it. What's my problem that you do it? You should sanctify them, make yourself holy. Why? Because I'm holy. Okay, so you're holy. Very good. I'm happy that you're holy. Why do I have to be holy? What's the reason? The key Kaddish. The Pshat is Befidish V'Hiskadashta. When it says V'Hiskadashta, what does it mean you should make yourself holy? Kemayim Razal, on this Chazal say, the Pshat is V'Hiskadashta, Kaddish Atzmecha B'Mutterloch. Sanctify yourself even in that which is permissible to you. What does this mean? The Hainu, Lies Hiskafis Etracher. Essentially V'Hiskadashta is another word for saying that one needs to be kaifa, one needs to subdue the other side. Kaddish Atzmach has a mission statement behind it. What is it? That heaven and earth and the entire physical universe should not block the light of His Holiness. That will allow Lamaila there that that I should be Kaddish. He Kaddish Ani, the Kaddish Uloshim Havdala Kanaida. The word Kaddish represents Havdala, aloofness, sublimity, 
Rashi says, Kedoshim to you, Purushim to you. Kaddish means separated. You say, he's a holy man. This is a holy object. This is a Sefer Torah. It's holy. It's unique. It's moved. It's separated from the mundane, from the regular. Kedoshim is Avdolf. So he says, what's Pshat? It should be the gilui of an essence of Elokos. Beyond the restriction of the vessels that limit the lights. Because the arousal from below creates the arousal from above, so therefore the Vizkadishten, the Yisim Kedoshim, will create the Kaddish Ani. Kaddish Ani Hashem. What's Kaddish? Kedusha Lashon Havdal. In other words, not the Elokos that's limited in Kalim, but the Kedusha which is Muvdal. It's beyond the Kalim that can only happen through the Vihis Kaddish. But if the Ravashal will be more evident by our puncturing through his Kapia, etc., so why is he becoming more elevated? If I care, he's becoming more visible. He's less aloof. He's more visible. More visible tends to mean less aloof, not the other way around. No, that's what he says. Lashon Havdalah means Vahainu. What's Pshat Lashon Havdalah? Not Havdalah like you think Havdalah means aloof, detached. Vahainu Shiyeb Chinez Gili Atzmos Shalamayla Metzimtzum Hakelam. Which is not the Kedusha. The Kedusha doesn't come out. It comes out not in a Havdalah, not in a Havdalah Dikha way. If I can't delimit it, I'll, I'll explain. He's saying the regular type, but he's explaining what the regular type means. I'll, I'll explain. Kaddish Atzma, the Gemara says like this. V'yiskadishtem v'yisim k'doshim k'kaddish ani. So Chazal says, the Kaddish Atzma ch'bamotamach. You should sanctify yourself with that which is permissible to you. Meaning, there are things that the Torah prohibits. Achilles nevelas, achilles trefes, biyasasuris, relationships or foods or, or activities that are forbidden. This, you don't need a tzivu to be holy. The Torah says, don't do it. You don't do it. Do it, do it. There's a special mitzvah to make yourself holy. When you make yourself holy, what is this a mitzvah? Not to eat rave. There's already a mitzvah not to eat rave. Not to enter into certain relationships. So Chazal say, this is a separate mitzvah. Kaddish atzmech Even that which is permissible to you, you should still sanctify yourself in. There are things that are permissible. You should still have Kedusha even by Motilach. The famous Ramban in Parshish Kedoshim says, Kedoshim to you, Kikadish, over there it also says, Kedoshim to you, Kikadish Ani. You should be holy because I'm holy. Ramban says, What's that mitzvah? That somebody could do all the mitzvahs, but there'll still be a novel Birushus Novel means you could still be a disgusting, a novel, a degenerate. A novel is a degenerate. With the permission of Torah. If everything you have a heter in the Mishnah Brura, everything, you have a, always a heter for everything. In other words, you follow everything to the T. Nobody will ever be, your Elam Hab is going to be perfect. It's going to smell. In other words, he's a novel, he's a manuvel, but it's Brushus HaTorah. So, Kadashat Smechav Amutalach means, Ramban says, Kadashim to you means, you're allowed to do it, but you should sanctify yourself in that which is, that which is Mutter to you. They say, I, I told you, Mr. Tama, once, no? They say, I said to dramatize it. There was once a poor man, he didn't eat. So he went to Psayid and he said, Can I have some food? He said, I don't give poor people food. He says, Give me something from the garbage. So he gives him some of the garbage, it was a smelly food. 
And he was so hungry, he eats it fast, and then he faints, he gets sick, they take him to the hospital. So this man tells his wife he has to go visit him in the hospital. The next day he dies, he says he has to go to his Levaya. The next day he tells his wife he can't come, he has to go for a shiva to pay shiva call. He comes home, he's happy. So his wife says, what are you so happy from the shiva call? She says, how can I not be happy? See how many mitzvahs I committed with one smelly piece of fish. Where do you get such an opportunity to do so many mitzvahs with one piece of fish? So that's a dramatic expression of an idea of novel birshus Somebody who's officially very religious but doesn't get it. Completely doesn't get it, but they think they're from. That's what the Ramban says. Novel birshus You're disgusting, but everything with the permission of Torah. You can't catch him anywhere. You can't catch him. He's smart. He knows that everything he finds is a source. But uh, here we go next step. When you say, Kaddish Atzmech what does it mean, Kaddish Atzmech Sanctify yourself in that which is permissible to you. It's permissible, but you should still sanctify yourself. What's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of this? So here you have a definition. Some of us sitting in this room grew up with this concept. This was said a lot. A lot. Kaddish Atzmech means... Even that which is permissible to you, you should sanctify yourself. This, from this comes the idea of precious. What's precious? Asceticism. There's food on the table, but you don't have to eat it. It's permissible. You could do certain things that are permissible, but means sanctify yourself even in that which is permissible and stay away from it. What is the meaning of this? Why should you stay away from it? Why? If it's forbidden, if it's forbidden, it's forbidden. If it's permissible, why should you stay away from it? Anybody was taught this as a child? Kaddish Atzuch A lot, yeah? And how did you understand it? Huh? What? In a painful way? Meaning? It's not, you're not going in front of you or even at home? Okay. That's a madrega. One piece of potato chip. It's like eating one cookie. Yeah, so it's always put about Madrega. It's a person who's completely disengaged from the material world. There's a whole meal, he's not going to eat the whole meal. He'll eat what he needs to survive. Yeah? He'll eat what... There's a hot mikveh and a cold mikveh, he'll go into the cold mikveh. <laughs> a hot shower, he'll go in. Relationships, he does what he has to do. Nothing extra. The concept of enjoyment, self-indulgence, uh, Fun, excitement. This is all sitracher. This is all clipping. Ah, it's not an aveira. It's not an aveira to go on a roller coaster to eat potato chips, right? Or to do other things. You say it is an aveira. Why can't you say regular pshat? You want to be holy? Do what's water. That's it. <laughs> 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 the base is in. <laughs> 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 <
Is that per- is not that by virtue of doing with Simcha and so generally, here again, the way it's commuted, this is a this is a is kadish It's a It's a That itself is a The Ramban explains it in kedushim to you. What's the nikkud of it, though? The way people often understand it is, it's a form of torture. It's a form of oppression. It's a form of self-abnegation. Even though it's mutter, nonetheless, still it's not good. Which, in a way, raises more than one eyebrow. Why? It's not enough that you took away so much from us, God. Now, even that which is permissible, you're going to make us feel guilty. It's like vifal is ashir. First, you aser almost everything. Yeah? You ask almost everything. Now, there's the little bit that's mutter. No. A piece of marble cake. No. No. Sprinkle cake. Seven. Never. That's it. Huh? You're saying on the cake. From a health from a health perspective. So the person thinks to himself often, everything is usr. It's already mutter. No. Now I'm going to get you from another way. I'm not going to tell you it's us, so I'll tell you it's mutter. But I'll tell you, if you don't do it, if you do it, you're not holy. <laughs> so you could have made it us, sir. Why are you calling it mutter? So the way the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, defines it here is, if you see his words, he says, What's Kaddish Atzcha Mutalach? Shalo yastiru ha-shamayim v'ha-aretz v'chol gashmi yisraelim al-erktu shosu yisbarach. It's a whole different punkt farket. Means a person works to reach a place that heaven and earth and the physicality of the world don't eclipse on their own truth. Now, that's Kaddish Atzvach means that at every moment you're living a life in which you're attuned to your own depth and to the depth of the world. When you're not Kaddish Atzvach you're actually a slave. You're a slave to the superficial husks of everything. You become a victim to the status quo. The revolutionary is the human being who doesn't surrender to the husk, doesn't surrender to the outer shell. They don't allow the shell to eclipse the truth. Whenever you don't allow the shell to eclipse the truth, automatically this Kaddish What's the idea of Kaddish Kaddish doesn't mean a person tortures himself to torture himself. Means a person doesn't surrender to a life of superficiality which feels good at the moment but is not really consistent with who he or she really is and with who the what the world really is. That's the idea. It's a whole different approach. So not only is it not torture for carrots, the other way they see as torture. The other way means I become a victim of that which seems extremely enticing at the moment, but really lacks truth. It lacks depth. In every moment of life, a person could choose. Are they going to fall prey to the outer concealment, or are they going to search for the inner core of existence? That's a choice a person makes every single moment of life. I can't get rid of the concealment. I'm not supposed to get rid of the concealment. 
If you get rid of the concealment, there's no avoid. The concealment remains. My choice is, do I become part of the problem or do I become part of the solution? Do I embrace the concealment and I say, this is it? Or I say, no, there's something deeper within it and that's what I'm going to embrace. When you're eating, you have that choice. When you speak, Every moment of life, no difference what you're involved in. Any moment of life, any relationship with anybody in any situation, there is always this choice. Always. When a person, Lamashal, take an example, you're home, and you're tired, and you're exhausted, and you're stressed out. Does this happen to anybody? What happened? Huh? It happened once. Last week. <laughs> happened once, okay. Last week, wow, I thought last year. So now a person actually, their, 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 their fuse is very uh, short at the moment, right? It's about to, uh, about to experience a short circuit. They generally have a, in a good day they have a short circuit. Never mind in a bad day. And as a result of that, a person is feeling very, very intense emotions. They want to scream, they want to holler, they want to quit, they want to run away, they want to hit, they want to, whatever they, whatever they want to do. What's my choice at the moment? There's different options. One option is a person makes believe he doesn't have these emotions. But that's not true. He does. He does. Another option is not only he makes believe he has the emotions and he knows he has them, he follows them. <laughs> Which is what a lot of people do. They just follow them. And then an hour later he feels bad and etc. Or a day later he feels bad and he has to start apologizing. Or he doesn't want to apologize, he just continues that way, and he never has to apologize for care. But then there's another option. The third option here is, a person knows exactly what he's feeling. And he doesn't have to make believe it doesn't exist, because it does exist. This is, just, this is what's happening. But he doesn't have to pathologize himself. He doesn't have to turn it into a pathology, meaning he doesn't have to define himself as a sick person, as a horrible person, and this is who he is, and that's it. Rather, the person could let it be for what it is, and choose, choose to follow that which is true, deep inside of him, his true values, rather than what his temperament, or his instincts, or his habits, are saying at the moment as a result of his hunger, or his exhaustion, or his not feeling well, or his or he's so tired, or he's so stressed out. So what does it mean? What is he doing, basically? He's not allowing the Hester to take over. When you realize that certain things you're experiencing because truth is concealed in this world. Truth is concealed. The value of relationships are often concealed. The value of who you are is often concealed. The value of your children is often concealed. And therefore, other things take over. But it's all a Hester. Now I could choose to embrace the Hester, to embrace the concealment, or to say no. I'm going to live from a space that goes deeper than the concealment. What is Kaddish Ansbuchabamutullah? Take any permissible thing in life. The question though is it's permissible. Torah doesn't say it's forbidden. But now ask yourself one question. By engaging in this act, what am I doing? Am I getting closer? to the truth of the universe, to the truth of my soul, to the truth of existence, or I'm getting further. That's the only shine. If I'm getting further, I'm reinforcing the concealment. 
I want to remove concealment. That's what Kaddish Atzchum Motelach means. The Balatanya once said in Yiddish, he said, Vas metar tarmenisht, um vas memeg daf menoichnisht. What you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to. What you're allowed to doesn't mean you need it. It could be you don't need it. So you're allowed to. But not, and if you don't need it, very often it just reinforces concealment. It doesn't create openings. It doesn't create transparencies. That's the idea. So Bemela, what is Kadesh Hatzachov Motalach? It's not a form of self-abnegation. It's actually a form of self-expression. Because it challenges the Hester. That the Gashmias should not conceal Urk to Shasayizbarach. At every moment, the truth is that Einoid Mulvada. Every moment, the truth of that moment is the relationship of a person with Hashem at that moment. That's the truth in every moment and in every experience. By engaging in this, or not engaging in it, am I revealing the Oyer HaKedusha, or am I concealing the Oyer HaKedusha? So the person chooses. I don't want this moment to betray the true depth of that moment. That's it. What it, that's it is. If it's eating, it's an eating. If it's in going to the bathroom, it's in going to the bathroom. If it's in other issues, it's in other issues. But it, the common denominator is that he doesn't want there should be something concealing the truth of the moment. So, what's key so does that mean like at that moment when you're faced with this decision, it's something like, uh, do I decide not to do this because... I'm disappointed on the, on the knowledge that I'm not getting closer to the truth by doing this. I don't see myself getting so I'm going to hold back. Or is it like more like the hold the Rebbe Eidu that I'm going to try to see the holiness in it? Okay, that, that, some that, combination. What, that's every person where he is in this itself. There could be many different stages and levels. But the common denominator is the person does not want to allow the husk of the world to... To, to eclipse the Eir Kedusha of Hashem. The Eir Kedusha of Hashem. That's the idea. That's what kind of chance. How do you do it? I mean, I can see, I'm not going to do this. That's, sometimes by saying no, sometimes by saying yes. I mean, that depends on the situation. So what's the key Kadosh? How does the key Kadosh oh. look? So what's the Peshat now? He asked, you should be holy because I'm holy. I'm holy, what does it have to do with you? So this is what he teaches now. V'yis Kadishtim v'yisem Kadosh is the pshat like this. It's a subtle idea. You should be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. What's the connection? Concealment doesn't start in this world. Never starts in this world. Concealment always starts in the highest, highest worlds. Even the world with this great revelation of godliness is also concealment. That's why it's called the world. As he said. Even in the highest pchinus, you have what's called igulim, which is the source of concealment. What is concealment in the higher worlds? Not what it is in this world. In this world, concealment is God doesn't exist. There's no purpose. There's no meaning. There's no depth. Everything is a mistake. Everything is random. You just follow your instincts. Whatever feels good and try to live a good life and you move on. That's concealment in this world. That itself could exist on many, many levels. Absolute depression. Suicidal thoughts. That's the lowest abyss. 
but even higher, higher, more refined levels, the concept is alienation, apathy, carelessness, uh, extreme uh, atheism, just denial of any meaning and purpose, any depth to life. That's this world. Higher worlds, you're not going to have this type of concealment. Take the world Atzillus. Atzillus is Elikos, but there's still concealment. What's concealment there? Caleb. Godliness is channeled through vessels, through containers, identity, character. Spheres over there are concealments. Why? Because it's Caleb. You can't compare that concealment to this concealment. Even Bria, Yitzira, which are not Atzillus, but it's worlds where godliness is revealed. So why do we call it concealment? Because it's revealed in a way that it's still concealed. To put it differently, for it to be revealed, it has to be concealed. For it to be revealed, it has to be concealed. Because if it would be revealed without concealment, it couldn't be revealed. It would be the end of the world. It would just be ain't so. So every single world, in order to experience God, there has to be concealment. Without it, there wouldn't be an experience. There wouldn't be anybody to experience. You'd be one with God. You'd be one, completely one. Even the highest world where there's only a lacoste, there's still some concealment. But it's not concealment like this world. This world takes the cake. As he says in Tanya, You can't get a lower world in this world. You can't conceivably create a lower world in this world. You can't. I mean, I guess you could, but you can't create, when he says you can't create a lower world in this world, he means you can't create a lower world in this world that still has hope. God could have created a lower world in this world that would be hopeless. That he could have done. Sometimes that's what the world looks like. But, if you hear the news. But, uh, this is the lowest world which you could still get out of. There's still hope for elevation. There's still... I don't understand. Yeah. Right. What do you mean? Yeah, of course. Of course. So, when you look at the concealment of this world, it's simply a reflection and an evolution of the concealments in all the worlds. It's just in this world, it reaches its, its, its crescendo, its, its, its peak, its deepest level of Hester. So now we come back to the Pasuk. You should be holy. What Pshat you should be holy? Kedusha is Lashem Havdallah. You should be holy. What do we touch? What does this mean? It means that you should disengage. You should be able to become higher than the unholiness, than the shell, than the husk. You should be able to go deeper than the tzimtzum. You should be able to puncture, to break through the tzimtzum and the hell. So now you'll ask the question, why should you do this? The answer is, Kikadosh Ani Hashem. What's Prat Kikadosh Ani? I, I, the Ein Saif, Be'etzim, as he puts it here, I'm beyond the Tzimtzum. The truth of Elikus is beyond the Tzimtzum. Elamai, it went into Caleb, it went into vessels. As a result of that, Everywhere there's concealment. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. He's saying that's where I am, in other words. That's why you should separate yourself. Because that's where I am. Yeah. What is Baruch saying? Yeah. In other words, concealment, 
the worst thing is to worship the concealment. When the concealment becomes a substitute for reality. The truth is, Kikodesh Ani. I'm beyond the Hester. Elamai, I went into Caleb. As a result of that, in every level there's Caleb. And in this world there's ultimate symptom. There's ultimate Hester. When you will be Kikodesh, what happens is, you'll be able to be Megala, the Kikodesh Ani. You'll be able to undo the Tzimtzum and the Hester in all of the worlds, so that therefore the Kedusha of Hashem, which is Kedusha Lashon Havdalah, not the way godliness is, finite and limited within Kalim, but the way it comes out in its true revelation, which is Milashon Havdalah. What do we mean Milashon Havdalah? Havdalah means it's beyond Kalim. When something is in Kalim, it's not Havdalah. On the contrary, it's enclosed, it's manifested, it's dressed up. Havdalah means the way it is on its own. It's pristine truth. It's sublimity. That's what Havdalah means. Havdalah means it's disengaged from being manifested within limitation. Through your Kaddish Atzvah you create the Gili of Kaddish Ani everywhere in the world, on all levels. That's what he says now. This is what it says in Zoyar. When Sitrachra gets subdued down here, the covet of Hashem is explored, is revealed in all the worlds, the Hainu. By removing the concealment of physical heaven and earth, the physical Igulim, the way it's in this world, in all the worlds, the covet of Hashem gets revealed. Even Lamaila, Elakus bursts through, it punctures the vessels, and it's not contained anymore within the Kalim. What's Kula Whether it's the higher worlds called concealed worlds, or the lower worlds called revealed worlds, Kula Almen. Everywhere the covet of Elakos, the Gili Elakos is revealed infinitely. Infinity can only happen through the Avoid in this world. Why? Everything is with a tzimtzum. Everything is in concealment. Everything. That's the cloud. Where are people challenged to undo the tzimtzum? In this world. In this world, when you undo the tzimtzum, how do you undo the tzimtzum? Every tnua, every motion of a skafis Whenever you say no to concealment, what happens? It's not just you punctured the vessel in this world. Automatically, there's like a, you create a leak everywhere. All the vessels in all the worlds get punctured. So what happens now? The symptom is undone on every level of existence. On every level of existence, the infinity emerges. Key Kaddish Ani. What's the key? First of all, because that's the truth. Because I'm holy. What's my problem that you're holy? But what if your holiness defines who I am? (laughs) That the concealment is fake, so then it's a good reason to be holy. And number two, my Kaddusha depends on your Kaddusha. Key Kaddish Ani, my Kaddusha depends on your Kaddusha. You will be able to then discover and facilitate the fact that Kaddusha. You facilitate Kaddish Ani. 
Or sometimes iskafia means not to do it, sometimes it means to do it. What does it mean to do it? To oh, do it? Mean, and in the opposite it means my in, by instinct I don't want to give I don't want to give a person a hug. Right, so do it. And you give them a hug. Why do you think, why are you trained to think Iskafi means not to do it? Maybe it means to do it? We're just to hold back from whatever that is. But sometimes it means, it, sometimes it means to do it. Right. So, that's, so if it's holding you back, yeah. you can't resist that. Yeah. That's Iskafi. Whatever it is, the right. resistance could be sometimes not to do it, sometimes it means to do it. Right. I don't want to apologize. Yeah. I don't want to apologize right. or whatever it is. Right. Right. Whatever emotion a person is doing, that basically challenges the status quo. It seems one way because of concealment. And the person goes one step deeper. A step deeper to literally see through the wall and go see what's behind it. Excavate it. That takes a lot of courage. It always takes courage because the natural inclination is to embrace status quo. So to live with godliness in every moment means to be at the forefront of revolution. Why? Because the status quo is, Hester, everything is concealed. It's easy to be cynical. It doesn't take much to be cynical. It's hard to be idealistic. It's easy just to surrender to cynicism, to bitterness, to frustration, to to depression, to anger. These are fine, okay, welcome to the club. Shalom Aleichem, Bruchim Abayim, you know, welcome. The challenge is to be able to be Baikeya the Tzimtzum, to be Baikeya the Hest. So a person might think it's just a little fight within my own system, and every person always has these fights, these battles. So what he's saying here is, don't think it's in your system alone. Your system is basically the core, the axis upon which all the universes rotate. So when you create that change, that alternation, that puncture in your own system, even in a small thing, what happens is that all of the universes, everywhere, everything is changed. The whole reality is changed. The tzimtzum is undone, and the Ein Sof comes out in its full Kedush and its full Avdol. Lamed Ches, column 1, page 75. Close to the bottom of the page, the line starts... Stimen v'almende is galia. V'zeo ha-mechuven b'tayro mitzvus. He now comes back to what he began at the end of Perek Aleph. Explaining the whole avoid of Torah mitzvus. To be mevarer the toy from the ra as a result of the shvira. And the nitzutzis of toyu that fell down. To be mevarer the toy from the ra. And the dikduke mitzvus basically allow the hashra of a lakus in the physical object, whether it's the shoifer, or the lulav, or the sukkah, or the tzitzis, or the esrik, the examples that he brought. And he asked, how is it that a person through his avoida can actually create a dwelling of ein soif in the physical object? What shaykhs does he have to a lakus by putting on this tefillin or putting on this tzitzis? He could bring an ain't safe to the physical object or separate the toy from the ram. So now he says, Vizel, I'm a chuvim betoyro mitzvus. Shagaymim ayyadeh is ashra, so he didn't say, through toyro mitzvus. 
One communicates the infinite, the Hainu Kanal, as we said before, the Kadiskafia, Sitrachri Basumer Rabasetoi. Because in this world, when you do when you subdue the unholiness, whether it's through surmeira disengagement from something, or asaytoiv engagement in something, whether it's through abstaining or through positive engagement, but the common denominator in both is that you have to subdue the sitrachira azai This arousal from below triggers an arousal from above shiyilamaila havaras that above, in all the worlds, all the concealments on every level, which conceal the revelation of the light and the energy of the divine, are removed to the point that even the tzimtzum of the kalim, the restriction of the vessels, which limit and eclipse the light for a positive purpose, in order for the light to go into the kalim and they should be suitable, even that restriction is removed, that the lights should uh, <coughs> burst through, they should puncture the, whole, the, the, the vessels of Mizgalim Lamata and can emerge and reveal themselves down here below Kaniskele. That's the Koyach, and that's the Avoid of a person in Torah and Mitzvahs down here. How can he create this effect? How can he create this Hashra of Ein Saif? That's what he explained, the whole idea of Igulim and Yosha, that the Helam is only as a result of the process of Igulim, and it's made, it's made in order to be undone by the person's awareness and by the person's avoider. And that's the whole objective of, that's one of the main objectives of Torah Mitzvahs, to recreate a new world based on this, based on Gilu Yelikos rather than Helam of Yelikos. This explains also the idea of the Kiyom HaMitzvah, the performance of the Mitzvah in Eretz Yisrael, precisely as the Pasuk often says, you're going to come to the land, Lasses Ba'aretz, to do the Mitzvah in the land. Eretz Yisrael is defined as the country where milk and honey flow. In fact, as he said in the opening of the Maimer, when Yeshua and Kolov respond to the spies, they make sure to say, that this land that he gave us is a Eretz Zavas Cholavodvash. It flows with milk and honey. Which doesn't seem to counteract or serve as a counter-argument to the spies. They didn't argue that there's milk and honey. They argued that there's milk and honey, but there's not going to be anybody left to live in order to enjoy the milk and the honey. So he says, Pidush, there's a deeper meaning here. Lashen Zavas, in, in Diktok, in Hebrew grammar, the word Zavas, who Lashen Mafil represents in diktuk what we call mafil, meaning it doesn't say Eretz, Asher Zav, or Zav Chalavadvash. Zavas means it causes the flow of milk and honey. It's a lush and mafil. It creates the effect that it causes this flow. Not just a, a country which enjoys passively the flow of milk and honey. Spiritually what this means is Chalavadvash Milk and honey represent two forces, two concepts. Like every physical food which contains an energy, represents an energy, Chalva and Vash represents the general evolution of the ten spheres. Why? They're divided by two sides, what's called Shem Ma and Shem Ban. Or another name for it is Chsadim Ma, which is one way of writing out Yud Kevavke, Yud and He and Vav and He. If you spell it with Alephs, you have 45. Another way of writing it out spells 52. Ma is Begematria Adam. 
45, and Ban, 52, is Begamatria Behema, animal. Uh, Ma and Ban represent two polar ideas. One is the right side, and one is the left side. One is called Chesed, which is love, and one is Gvura, which is strength. Chalav, ki chalav, ki chalav chsadim. Chalav milk represents Midas HaChesed, kindness, because of its the fact that it's a liquid, it's a beverage which goes outward, always flows out. Wherever you put it, the Gemara says, Wherever you put a beverage, a liquid, it always flows. It doesn't stay in one place, which is what chesed is. It's an extroverted person. You're always reaching out. It's also color white, which generally represents the color of chesed, of kindness. And milk is an interesting phenomenon. And that is, it says that the first meal, the first meal that was offered to guests as a host, as Avramavina with the three guests, and the third, it says, The first thing he offers them is, he asks Sarah to make bread, he'll offer them meat, but the first thing he offers them is chema, which is yogurt or butter or, or cream, whatever, different interpretations of chema, and, and chalaf, and milk. The uniqueness about milk is, usually physical properties, the more you give, the less you have. If I have $100 and I give it away to you, if I give it for tzedakah, so those $100 are missing from my account. I can't write out a check for $1,000 and hold on to the check. That's the definition of physical properties. What you share is taken away from you. What I give you is at a cost to me. The exception for that is a mother's milk, whether in humans or in animals. And that is, the more she nurses her child, the more her system replenishes the milk. On the contrary, if you stop giving the milk, you stop having the milk. So chalav is a unique phenomenon in physical reality where the more you give, the more you have. The less you give, the less you have. Where everything else, the more I give, I don't have. <laughs> if I give it to you, I don't have it. So Chalav represents Avram Avinu was Midas HaChesed. Avram Avinu's first meal that he gives his guests is milk. What's the message here? The message is, the Balatorim says, that Vinosnu, in Hebrew, is one of those words that both directions reads the same way. Vav, nun, saf, nun, vav. And the other way from left to right is also Vinosnu, vav. So the Rabbalaturim says, when you give, it comes right back. Palindrome. Palindrome. Right, palindrome. It's one of those words. Nosan, nun, saf, nun, both directions. Because you give, and it comes back. Where do you see that in milk? The mother gives milk to her child. She nurtures the child. Even the animal mother. All this is klal and teva. And the animal is replenished. You stop nursing for carrot you don't have. Avramavinu's first meal to get his guests was representing his idea of what chesed is, what stock is. It's not that I'm giving and I'm losing. It's I'm giving and I'm getting. The more I, and the more you give, the more you receive. So therefore, chalov is very much associated with midas chesed. Chalov upchines chasadim. Dvash. It says about Torah, Shavuos, one of the reasons we eat milk, it's brought in Paiskim. The Pasuk says about Torah, Dvash v'chalov tachas l'shoinach. Honey and milk under your tongue. It says, Dvash is p'chines gvuras. Dvash in Kabbalah nikrit din de gadlos. It's called din, dalit. That's why it also begins with a dalit. And it's din de gadlos, which means mature din. There's din de katnos, and there's din de gadlos. Just like there's chesed de katnos and chesed de gadlos. Gadlos means mature, expansive, like a gada, an adult. There's din that is adult-like din. And then there's din, judgment, discipline, sternness, which is immature. It's more punitive rather than mature. There's a din that comes from godless. There's a din that comes from katnos. Just like there's chesed. 
that comes from katnas, from immaturity, and then there's chesed that comes from maturity. Pasuk says in Vayikra, you shouldn't bring as a carbon nothing with yeast, sourdough, which is a yeast, chametz, it, it leavens, it leavens bread, and or anything with honey. And there's different reasons for it here. He's not getting into the discussion here, but the point he brings here is it has to do with chametz, all the matzahs, all the bread in the, mizbe- in the Beis HaMikdash was basically made of matzah. Lechem HaPonim was matzah. All the menachas were made of matzah. Besides one exception, the Shtei HaLechem of Shvuas was made of chametz. Remember last year we learned a Maimur for Shvuas about uh, Shoyre Kesev, Parshas Emer, was Svartim Lechem. He explains why chametz was brought only on Shvuas, not the rest of the year. After Sviris Oymer you could bring chametz. But the rest of the year everything was matzah. And V'chol Dvash lo yisaktidim emenu yishul Dvash also not. And it has to do because dvash has to do with din. Both come from a maturity. Moichin is intellectual uh, awareness that is expansive. Cholov upchines moichin the gadlus the chasadim. Cholov represents moichin the gadlus expansive awareness that produces chesed. Commercial cholov aim like the mother of the milk. Shemagadlus havla, which nurtures the child and makes the baby grow. Milk is an essential ingredient today. There's a lot of discussion about it. The nutritious benefits, tremendous benefits that exist in the natural milk of a mother. It's not just milk brings physical growth to the baby. Milk also is what allows the baby to develop seichel, to develop moichen, to develop awareness. The kachla maila spiritually also cholov represents pchinis bina shemegadelis evarim dezot bina is the mother aim habanim smecha chachma is the father bina is the mother midos are the children that's called zeirampin bina grows the limbs of zeirampin aydei ashbas haseichel through the flow of intellect v'huanikre pchinis cholov the ima this is called in Kabbalah the mother's milk or bina's milk kamei menazal the gemara says in brachas. Asala Dadim Bimakoim Bina. Famous Gemara about somebody who had a ness. His child couldn't nurse and there was no mother. And the Gemara says, Asala Dadim Bimakoim. I'm sorry, that's another mice. Here he's talking about the Gemara says in Masech de Brachis. Where is it? I think Dafyud. Sometimes you look for something and it does, it does exist. The Gemara says in Brach is the feud. David Hamelech was always saying Shiri, he was always singing. It says he lived in five worlds and in all the worlds he was saying Shira. In all the situations he was saying Shira. The first was in his, the womb of the mother, that's your first residence. And he said Shira. He came out of the womb, he, he, op- he, he comes into the world, 
and he looks up at the stars and the planets, and he takes a look and he says Shira again, Baruch Hashem Alach of Gibayre Kayach, all in one capital, in Tehillim, Tehillim Kuv Gimel, and then Yonak Mishdei Imai, he starts nursing. I quote now the Gemara, Venestakel Bedadeha. And he looks at the at the dadim at the source of the milk, the breasts. Va'amar shirin, he says shirin. Shenemar barchi nafshe es Hashem val tishkichi kol gmulov. My soul thanks Hashem, and I never forget kol gmulov everything that He's goimel, everything that He bestows on me. My kol gmulov. Amar Rebbeo sheosol dadim b'mekoyim bina. That Hashem made the dadim, the the source of the milk, in the place of bina. We say, uh, we say, the same bilibenu, the same bilibenu, bina lahavan lahaskel. Right in the morning, the same bilibenu. So he made the dadim, the place of the milk, b'mekayim bina, in the place of emotional awareness, which is the heart. What's the big deal? Time am I? I'm a bit kedushla yistakel b'makim erva kedushla yinek b'makim hatinoifus. David Amelech was very impressed about the biological system that the child is not forced to nurse from not such a uh, pleasant place to nurse from. So, I'll peep shot, okay, you know, it's interesting, but the, but the, the, the Balatanya says that there's a remez here, Oslo dadim b'mkayim bina, that I'll peep Kabbalah, the chalav has to do with bina. The mother's milk is the hashpa of bina into the child. So Osala Dadim and Kaim Bin is not just a biological fact, it also represents a spiritual fact. The Bait Shayim Evur Gamke Binyan Elda Dumeida. Shame Shnei Dadim the Imma Shemahem Yotzia Cholov Lazolagadl. Elda and Maidad were two prophets who are prophesizing together with the seventy elders. So in Eitz Chaim that Rizal explains, Elda and Maidad is like this. You have Dad and Dad, and you have Aleph Lamid and Mem Yud. That's part of Elikib. So Eldad is Shem Aleph Lamet, yeah, and then you have in the middle is the Hay, and then you have Yud Mem. So Dad and Dad, you have one Dad, one breast on the right, one on the left. That's Dad and Dad, and in between you have Eldad and Maidad, which is Eldad is Aleph Lamet of Elikim, and Yud Mem is the last letters of Elikim, and in the middle between the Dadim is what the Arizal explains is represented by the letter Hay. What's the point here? The point here is that Elder and Maidat are the Shnei Dadim. Al-Pikabola, their prophecy represents the two breasts of Bina from which the milk goes out to the Midas in order to raise and mature the Midas, which are the children. All emotions need Bina. They need awareness in order to develop them, to cultivate them, and to allow a person to experience them. All emotions are basically thoughts. The thoughts translate into emotions. That's Cholov. In physicality and in spirituality. Udvash upchinas moichin the gadlus the gvuras. Dvash is the gvura that comes from mature moichin. Shari nikre din the gadlus, vainu shem upchinas gilia oiris hepit upchinas atzimtsum shalakelu. Both dvash and cholov represents gadlus instead of katnus, which means instead of having the tzimtsum, everything restricted, everything is done in an expansive fashion. So both the chesed and the gvura are both. Informed by Moichin the Godless by profound awareness and maturity. There is a difference of Chesed and Gvura when it's done from a place of Moichin the Katnus and when it's done from a place of Moichin the Godless. Honey comes from bees. Now, if you get to go into a beehive, it's not such a Chesed experience. 
It may be a Gvuri experience. It's interesting that bees, you know, by us have a pretty negative association, but the food that they create is tremendously sweet. But it has not sweetness, but there's a certain sharpness to Dvash. Dvash is a sweetness, but it's a sharpness. So it's actually called Gvura of Meichen the Godless. Gvura of Meichen the Godless has a sharpness to it, but it also has a sweetness to it, because it's not punitive, it's not vengeful. There's a type of Gvura that comes from Meichen the Katnos. comes from weakness. You're in a very weak state, and when you're in a weak state, you're Gvuradik. Your intensity comes because you lose control. Gvura of Meichen the Godless is intensity that comes not from loss of control, but from powerful control. It's a different type of Gvura. It's Gvura that comes from strength, not from weakness. The same is true Chesed. There's Chesed that comes from weakness, Meichen the Katnos, because you have no courage. And then there's Chesed that comes from strength. So you have to ask yourself, there's people who have a lot of Chesed, but their Chesed comes from Meichen de Katnos. It comes from a place of uh, either they need to please everybody, they need everybody's approval, they need everybody's validation, they always are afraid to have an opinion. They always say yes, not because they want to say yes, but because they're scared to say no. That means they never really say yes. <laughs> Whenever you say yes because you're scared of saying no, you're not really saying yes. You're just frightened to say no, so you have no choice. So then you say yes, and then you resent the person even more. So you're trying to help him, and really you start hating him as a result of trying to help him, because you resent him for making you not be the real person you want to be. So now instead of doing him a favor, you're actually punishing him, because as a result of doing him this favor, you're going to hate him for the next 10 years. You're going to have to go to therapy for the fact that you did him a favor every single day when you were really oppressed, and then you blame him for you not having the strength to be you, and he becomes the enemy. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? I do. <laughs> and it's fascinating, and people create these whole concoctions in their minds where people become enemies because I didn't have the courage to set boundaries, and therefore the other person becomes the culprit because he doesn't know about my insecurities. And he thought, yes means yes. How is he supposed to know that yes means no? Yeah. Somebody told me once that he married an American. He married a European woman. And he told me that it took him years to understand that the culture between America and Europe is completely different. For example, in Europe, when somebody asks you, you come to their house or whatever, or you, they say, do you want a cup of coffee? What, what are you supposed to say? Do you say yes or are you supposed to say no? So it took him years to understand that Europe and America are completely different. Americans who grew up with McDonald's, that culture, if somebody says, uh, you want coffee... You say, if you want coffee, you say yes. If you don't want coffee, you say no. In Europe, you always say no. The rule is you say no. Do you want a cup of tea? Of course not. And the person who hears no brings it anyway. That's the right thing to do. You say no, and they bring it anyway, and that's what happens. The American, if he wants a cup of coffee, he says yes. If he doesn't want, says no. So now they marry each other. Okay, so he wants to be nice to his wife. So he comes over to his wife, he says, can I make you a cup of coffee? Of course she says, no, she's European. He's American, so he doesn't make her a cup of coffee. <laughs> right? Because he's trying to be respectful. The other way, yeah, she goes over to him, can I make you a cup of coffee? He says, no. So she makes him a cup of coffee, and he feels it's abusive and disrespectful. I told you no. Why are you making me a cup of coffee? Why don't you consider me? And it's a great marriage, you understand? So uh, what, often ha- what happens often is people 
create concoctions of who the other person is based on their own image. It's especially true in the fields of chesed and gvur, of giving and not giving. So you always have to look at it if it's coming from a place of katnus, it's coming from a place of godless. Chalav and Vash represent both of the elements of Chesed and Gvura, but from a place of growth, from a place of expansiveness. That's why the Dvash is a very interesting food. It's a very intense food. You can't eat a lot of honey, right? <laughs> if you eat a lot of honey, you can't eat a lot of honey. It's, too, it's very, very powerful. It's very, very intense. But there's also a tremendous sweetness to it. Intensity always represents Gvura. Gvura is very intense. But it's intensity that comes from Moich and the Godless. So he says, that's Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Zavas Cholavodvash. V'zeo inyan Zavas Cholavodvash. Shei moich in the godless. Shou heipecha helem v'atzimtzum shobchines moich in the godless. Eretz Yisrael is the place that flows milk and honey. In other words, that the chesed and gvura, which represent the two paradigms of the evolutions of the world, which always are based on the two dynamics of expression and lack of expression. Chesed is giving and gvura is lack of it. All communication, all relationships, is always a combination of what you give and what you don't give. What I give and the boundaries, where we dissolve the boundaries and we retain the boundaries. Chesed is where we become one, and Gvur is where we're separate people. But in Eretz Yisrael, it's not based on Tzimtzumim, it's based on Chalavodvash, which means godless, expansiveness. is physically also. The Gemara says, The Gemara says Eretz Yisrael in its prime years, the milk would flow from the goats, from the female goats. And the honey would flow from the figs. You didn't even have to squeeze. You didn't have to go and milk. It flowed from it, the Gemara says. It was noitif. Why? The physicality is simply an expression of the spirituality. Every physical dynamic is an expression of a spiritual dynamic. Because spiritually, there's a flow of chesed and gvura, not with tzimtzum, but with expansiveness. Both the chesed and the gvura. So therefore, physically, it had that brach. What does Zavaz Chalavodvash mean? That the Oedas burst through the Kalim. In other words, they're not defined by concealment and symptom, rather they're defined by Harchava, by expansiveness. And that's why says about Eretz Yisrael that they went into Eretz Yisrael. And the objective was to observe Teda and Mitzvahs there, Lasses Baaretz. And the expression Lasses is Pirish Lasses or Lasake. Lasses is Lasake. What's Pshat Lasake? Kemoi Vaasasa Siparneh Vatargume Vatiske. In Parshas Kiseitse, she should make her nails. This is the Isha Yafas Toyer who's in captivity. Vaasasa Siparneh, the Targum says, is the word Tikkun. Lasses Ba'aretz means Lasakin. Ashabara Lakim Lasses, the Medrash says, is Lasakin. Vahainu Lasakin Ba'aretz to Yibchinis Eretz Alvas Chalavudvash. To fix up the land, that instead of being a physical space that's based on Simpson, to be Masakin the Eretz, to fix it up, that it should flow with milk and honey. Sheyifku Aretz Asakela. The divine light should burst through the vessels. It shouldn't be concealed by the vessels. They should be revealed down here. Eretz Yisrael is the physical space that is most conducive to create Gileelikos. It's the physical terrain, which is also based on concealment. But from all the places in the world, it's the most conducive. Lassos, to be Mesach in the Eretz, 
Why? Because it's Zavas Chalavudvash. It's a place that by nature has the ability to transform Simtsum into Gilui by doing the Torah and the mitzvahs primarily in Eretz Yisrael, which are all physical activities, which deal with the physical reality like most mitzvahs. Both Sur Meirah, Seitoif, which allow the physical universe to basically be sublimated into the divine by aligning the sparks of Toyu with their source. But first you have to remove the Ra from everything and then be Megala the Toyim and allowing it with the source as he explained in the beginning of the Maimer. The most conducive place for that is Eretz Yisrael. So he now comes back and he says, After all of this, Yuvan Gamkin Inyan Maisa the Meragal. We now come back to the beginning. The Arizal said the Miraglim came from the world of Leia, not the world of Rach. The world of Leia is the world of thought. And because they came from the world of thought, they didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because they come from Olam HaMachshav. Vitanu, they had a Taina. What was their Taina? Lamatsuchim Leia de Bebchinus Olam Adibor. Why do you have to go down from the world of Leia to the world of Rach? Why go down from the world of Machshava to the world of Dibur, from thought to speech? Why do you need it? The first Dibur represents the lowest level, Malchus of Atzilus, which is the end of all the Madregas. You're going to tell me, The objective is to go down and observe Torah and Mitzvahs in thought and in action and, and words. Words and actions. This will allow the the splitting of the light and the They said, we understand Torah is a gewaldige thing. But what do you need? The physical action. You can do everything spiritually through meditation. In the world of thought, you have everything that exists in the world of speech and in the world of action. Words come from thoughts. So there's no word that doesn't have its origin in thought. Every word comes from achshav. There's no dibur that doesn't come from achshav. Vim kain, kol mitzvah, mitzvah shemekayim bedibur Every mitzvah that you observe in speech or action, you can observe spiritually in a state of thought. You don't need the Dibur and the Maisa to have the content of the Mitzvah. And if it's Torah and Mitzvah, this will also generate the flow of the Insaif. It says this by Avram. The Gemara says in Yuma, and in a few places, Avram observed the whole Torah before it was given. What does this mean? It means Avram did the whole Torah that we do. Can't be. Many mitzvahs that Avram physically couldn't observe. You have the mitzvah of Tefillin. The mitzvah of Tefillin, you have Parshish. The Parshish, it says, the story of Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, or the mitzvahs connected to Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, or the different things that says in Tefillin. It wasn't written in the times of Avram Avinu. What's Pshat he put on Tefillin? What's Pshat all these mitzvahs that he did? A lot of the mitzvahs he pushed couldn't do. So what do you mean Avram Avinu did the whole Torah before it was given? How is he supposed to do many of the mitzvahs? There's mitzvahs that he could do. He could do the mitzvah of Tzedakah. He did the mitzvah of Bris Miller. But what did he put on his door? You say mezuzah. What did he put on Avram Avinu? What did, what did his mezuzahs look like? 
all the mitzvahs that are zeichel yitzias mitzrayim. There's a mitzvah of eating the carbon pesach. There's a mitzvah to remember yitzias mitzrayim every day of your life. What did Avraham Avinu do? He lived before it. So the Balatanya says, "Alashakim oisim beruchnius." Every mitzvah has two dimensions. There's the physical performance of the mitzvah. There's the energy of the mitzvah. Avraham Avinu didn't observe the mitzvahs the way we did them. He observed all the mitzvahs spiritually, meaning shehim shechkala oynus al yoyinam and amshachem aydeha mitzvahs. Every mitzvah accesses a certain oyin in the world, a certain light, a certain energy. Avram Avinu accessed all those oyinus that we can access through mitzvahs. And in many ways, his mitzvahs had a depth that our mitzvahs don't have because he knew the mitzvahs from inside out, not from outside in. We have the mitzvahs from outside in. We just follow a script. Put on tefillin in the morning, put on sitzes, put up a mezuzah, make kiddush on Shabbos, eat matzah, blow shoifer. Avram Avinu didn't necessarily have these mitzvahs physically. But every mitzvah tunes in to a certain oir of the world, a certain oir of Hashem. And that's what Avram Avinu communicated. So the meraglim thought, you know what? Everything will be done on a level of thought. And they didn't want to go on Tartisra. They were in the Pchina of Leah. And Leah is on a different place than Rachel. What is the point he's saying here? The Miraglim, elaborating on what he explained in the first mind, the Miraglim weren't just lowly individuals who decided to rebel. On the contrary, the Miraglim were spiritual giants. And because of that, they loathed going out of the cocoon of a spiritual reality where life operated in a place of thought, not a place of speech and action. Imagine if mo- most of life would be lived on the plane of Machshav, not a plane of Dibur, and not a plane of Mice. Most of our life is lived in a plane of action, Mice, or in a plane of Dibur. You ask people to think, they don't even know what you're talking about. Ask somebody to think about something for a minute straight, without interruptions. You ever try doing it? Try thinking about something, not daydreaming in the middle of a shear. That's easy. But uh, but try thinking about something straight for a minute, two minutes, three minutes. The world of Machshava is a very, very mysterious world to us. I mean, we're always thinking, but it's not conscious thinking. You're just, you think, you always think. You can't stop thinking. In the Midbar, the world of Leia is the world of Machshava. The difference between Leia and Rachel, as we learned previously, Mamarim Vayetze, Vayishlach, told us in Torah Eid and other Maimarim about Rachel and Leah. Rachel is the world of Dibur. Leah is the world of Machshava. Vayar Hashem kisnua Leah. God saw that Leah is hated. Rachel is beautiful. The Balatanya says, people hate thinking, they love speaking. People hate thinking. Nobody likes thinking. People love talking. They could talk non-end, non-stop. I shouldn't be talking about this, I guess. <laughs> or maybe I should stop talking. Thinking? Who thinks? Who wants to think? Vayar Hashem kisnu It's very difficult, Machshav. Train thought. Today it's called mindfulness, meditation. It's not easy. Try focusing your mind on something for 25 seconds. You'll see how many other thoughts come into you. Your appointments, your problems, stress, this issue, that issue... It's almost impossible to engage in machshava. The outer world is a much more easier world to accommodate. Dibur The Miraglim were very lofty souls. They lived in a world of Pnimius. 
They lived in an internal world. They wanted to stay in that world. They lived in clouds of glory. Physically they lived in a utopia, and spiritually they lived in a utopia. They knew that coming into Eretz Yisrael is a game changer. And it's a game changer not in the sense that they're going up, they're going down. The miracles stop. World becomes nat- the world becomes a natural place. And the focus of Torah and Mitzvahs becomes Maisa. Dibur and Maisa. Mitzvahs, Hatluyah's Ba'aretz, Armoinli, Lasa's Ba'aretz. Most of the Mitzvahs depend on action. Where in the Midbar, the experience of Judaism was a spiritual experience. We don't even understand the world of the Miraglim, not because they were so low, but because they were very lofty. Eretz Oicheles Yoshvah, what they were saying is the land of Eretz Yisrael will consume, it will eat everybody up. It will destroy idealism. It will destroy spirituality. There's even a mimer of the Balatanya elsewhere, another mimer where he spoke about the Miraglam, and he said that the Miraglam basically was saying that Eretz Yisrael is going to create institutionalized religion, and all institutionalized religion, by definition, is dead. It's lifeless. Whenever religion becomes institutionalized, this is how you do it, it's dead. Religion has to be spontaneous, creative. If it's not creative, it's not spontaneous, it's worthless. Take a, somebody who wrote me an email yesterday. Can I explain to him how davening is not fake? Those were his words. Yeshiva Bachan. How davening is not fake when I'm always repeating words that were written by somebody else. He says, any words that you're repeating that were written by somebody else, by definition, are fake. Imagine you come to your wife on the anniversary, yeah? And you say, I want to read to you a card that somebody else sent to his wife. And you start reading. And you're quoting words from somebody else. You understand? The whole point of it is that it's your words. It's, there's your soul there. So he tells me, how is davening not fake if I'm repeating somebody else's words? The shaila is a good shaila. The miraglim were tining. Eretz Eichelis Yeshva. It's done. No life in Eretz Eichelis It eats up. Oh, Yeshva. Perhaps, yeah. Yoshvim, yeah, everybody's running, you're saying. There's no Yoshvim anymore. This was a tithe of the Miraglam. The tithe of the Miraglam was a call for Judaism to really become a Far Eastern religion. And you'll see many Jews of this generation ran to the Far East. Why they run to the Far East? Hundreds of thousands of Jews ran to the Far East. They seek the world of, of spirituality. Of they, they sit in ashrams, ashrams for, for people sit for 10, 20 years, they don't talk. They don't talk, they don't do. They believe the purpose of life is one and all, all in one, nirvana, you melt away in nothingness. Yeah? And this comes, the Zohar says that Avram Avinu sent his children to the east. So it says in Zohar, Rashi says, Shem Tumah Masala. It says in Zohar, it's brought in Kabbalah that the, the disciplines in the far east come from Avram Avinu. In Buddhism, one of their greatest deities is Brahman, right? Which they associate with Avram. Avram, Abraham, yeah. And over there you see that the Tachlis is Ruchnis, only Ruchnis. Disengagement from physicality. To a point of extraordinary uh, proportions, people fast for this. People fast for decades. They, they spend time uh, completely in meditation and transcendence. And it's a peak. It's a great peak. Uh, now come to a Jew living in Brooklyn and tell him to, to fast for 20 years. Judaism is food. The problem is, where is God? Where is there? Is there transcendence? Is there any spiritual experience? This is what the Miraglim warned against. You see, they understood a lot. 
The Miraglam looked at uh, Judaism and they said, well, what are you doing? You're killing it. In the Midbar, everything was machshava. Everything was the world of machshava. That's what they lived in. They lived in a world of thought. It was a very intense and powerful and internal world. The world of Yitzchol is a world that's characterized by stress, by daily living, and by the daily grind. They were in the clouds. They were in the clouds, quite literally. Yeah. Pun intended. Anani covered physically and Anani covered conceptually. Well, all this thought of his would probably, I guess, parallel <coughs> what, when you had said how revolutionary he was in the mimer of Adam Kiyakri. Here, too, this is along the same revolutionary yeah. line. Yes. And yet, the, so the Miraglim, the Miraglim made a mistake, but as we said earlier, this was a mistake that came from profound spiritual sensitivity and awareness. A bulldozer doesn't make such a mistake. A brute doesn't make such a mistake. A, 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 a lowly person doesn't make such a mistake. This is a mistake that comes from loftiness, from sublimity, from godless, not from godness. A mistake it is, but it's a mistake that comes from sensitivity, not from grossness, not from grubkeit. It comes from edelkeit. It comes from refinement. Really refined people don't want to leave the world of thought. Who wants to leave the world of thought? Huh? You're saying, you're saying you, 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 you empathize with them. You identify with them. So why is it a mistake? Okay, that, that, that itself is a good question. The fact that you asked that question is, again, is very good. Why is it a mistake? Fine, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> huh? Don't worry, he'll give you credit. Thank you. At least the poverty and the rain also, we've meditated after so many years, it's allowed to go. Yeah, in the ISIS of Kabbalah, they didn't want to go to Rachel, they wanted Leah. They wanted Leah. Leah is a very, inter- Leah was an internal person. Leia, as we said, comes from the word exhaustion. Nilu, limtsei mayim. Niloi nilesi, it means tired. Thoughts never stop. There's nothing that makes you tired as much as thoughts. Right? Words, you could stop speaking. You could go to sleep, stop doing things. Thoughts, you never stop. Even when you go to sleep, you're still dreaming. Thoughts are forever there with you. They're always there with you. They just don't stop. Ho, ho, it's like fascinating to observe your thoughts. Imagine you have your thoughts on a screen, displayed, and just sit like this and watch what's going on. The problem is the screen is inside. It just doesn't stop. And the thoughts are busy arguing with themselves a whole day. You know that. There's like a hundred color war teams in your brain. No, I'm this. I'm a good person. I'm a, bad, I'm a horrible person. He hates me. He loves I'm this. I'm that. Non-stop. It can get you exhausted. It's a very internal world. The world of Dibur is external. The world of Mice is external. That's the world of Racham, Olam HaDibur. The world of Leia is Olam HaMachshav. This was the big Taina of the Miracle. Why leave Leia to go into the world of Racham? I, Torah Mitzvahs, will do everything with Machshav. Just like Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu, it was good for him, it was good for us. Everything with Machshav. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.